As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24, and as we're going to see that the first ones to arrive at the scene of the resurrection were followers of Christ who were women. Uh, This morning on Easter Sunday, we have the privilege of having our our women's ministry director, Christy Gambrell, reading scripture to us. Now, here was my decision, um, reading the story, thinking, oh my, this is such a great story. Uh, Where do you stop? And so I told Christy, Christy, we're going to start at the beginning, and I'm giving you a lot to read, uh, but this is a fantastic story. It's Easter Sunday, right? And so no one's going to have a problem hearing the Easter story, I trust. So Christy, come and, and give us God's word. Thank you. Good morning. We'll be starting in verse 1. You can follow along in your bulletin, starting with verse 13, or also look up on the screen to follow along. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home, marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near them and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing them. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who is a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Thank you, Christy. Will you please pray with me? And Father God, we ask that the Spirit of Jesus would come. Come and open up our eyes to see the King, to see your Son as our resurrected Savior. Father, come and open up our minds to understand scripture so that our hearts too can burn. Burn with the reality that you love us and that you're for us and what Christ Jesus has done to secure hope, to secure salvation, to secure a part and a place in your family. Father, the things that I say or that are wrong or merely my opinion, may those things fall away and be forgotten. But God, I pray, may the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's in Christ's powerful name that I pray. Amen. It was on March 8th that the Malaysian airline flight 370 would leave, take off for Beijing. And with just within an hour, within an hour of taking off and reaching cruising altitude and the right uh, speed, they completely went off the radar. Unseen, lost, 16 fruitless days later. It was on March 24th, after searching and searching and finding absolutely nothing, not even one piece of the debris, there was a declaration by the prime minister of Malaysia that that all are lost, that all crew, that the 12 crew members, the 227 passengers that represented 14 different countries, that all of them, according to the last calculations, must have crashed 
somewhere in the Indian Ocean. And the hopes of survival were gone. When hope dies, death reigns. In this morning's reading, there were those like us on the road to Emmaus. They were those like us that had hoped in Jesus. As a matter of fact, they not only hoped in Jesus, but they hoped that Jesus would redeem his people, Israel. And they went to Jerusalem and they realized, Jesus died. But we had hoped. We had hoped he was the one. Our hope was in him. And in Jesus' death, hope died as well. But Jesus teaches them and teaches us that only way, the only way for us to have hope that reigns, the only way for us to have hope in any in every situation is if death dies. Isn't it true? I mean, the only way that we can truly have a lasting reigning hope is if death itself was died. And so this morning, we're going to look at the fact that true, that when hope dies, death reigns. But there's such good news. Good news that those on the road to Emmaus didn't first understand. They were called foolish uh, and hard-hearted. But God opened up their eyes to see that through Christ's victory, we can truly have life and victory as well. Let's start with this. Death reigns when hope dies. It's true. We've heard the stories. I mean, too many of us have experienced that as well. I mean, death reigns. It's, it's interesting that the Malaysian airline and the government would say, no more hope. No more hope. They're all gone. The reality, my brothers and sisters, is this. If Jesus is still in the grave, if Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead, then God can say to us, all are lost as well. All are gone. There's no hope. The reality of Christianity is this. The distinction of Christianity is this. If Jesus lives, we live. If Jesus lives, we're forgiven. If Jesus lives, we have hope. But if there's no resurrection, if the story ends in the grave, then we're, 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 we're fools. We're to be pitied. Death reigns. Death reigns if Jesus is dead. I love what Apostle Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians. He wrote to the church of Corinth and he, he wrote to us about does death really still reign or is there hope in Christ Jesus? Listen to these words out of 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians fifteen twelve. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith, it's futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who have also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people are most to be pitied. And then he says in verse 32, and I love this. If there's no resurrection, if death reigns and there's no hope, he says this. You know what? Let us eat and let us drink. Because tomorrow we die. Let us eat, eat, let us drink, let's try to numb the pain. If Christ is in the tomb, we got no hope. It's amazing what he says, preaching. It's, it's vain. 
If I don't have a story to tell of a resurrected Savior, it doesn't matter. Your faith is in vain. It's futile. It's not, not worth anything. But it even says this, if Christ wasn't resurrected, we're still in our sins. What does that mean? If Christ is in the tomb, then the sacrifice made for us to, to make us right with God, the Father didn't accept it. And if we're still in our sins, we're dead. Scripture says, dead in our trespasses and sin. We, we experience hell. We're separated from the Father. If Jesus is dead, we are lost. It says we're to be pitied. We're foolish. We're wasting our time. Let's party and eat and drink and get drunk and numb the pain because we have no hope. Well, Jesus came to those on the road to Emmaus that was kind of feeling like that. Man, we hoped in Jesus, but he's gone. And that hope seemed to die. And he said, no, 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 you're foolish. You're, you're slow in heart. The only way for hope to reign is for death to die. Do you know that? The only way to you to have true, true hope is for death to be defeated. And he said, this is what this book is all about. This whole thing is, is here to give you hope and life in me. Scripture says in verse 25 through 27, as Christy read, and he said to them, O foolish one and slow of heart to believe, all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? So beginning with Moses, which is the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis, and all the way through the prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures, the things concerning him. He says, I got good news. Death doesn't reign. You guys on the road to Emmaus, you thought the story's over. This is the story. God's story is that I had to die. God's story is that he would love sinners like us so much, he would demonstrate that love by sending his son to live the life that we didn't live, die the death that we deserve. The only way we have hope, the only way we have life is if he dies. But if he dies and is resurrected, the story has hope. You see, my brothers and sisters, such good news. Hope reigns. It reigns this morning. It reigns in your life no matter what happens. Hope reigns when death dies. And because Jesus has defeated death and sin, hope will forever reign. And not only will hope forever reign, here's the reality. It's going to shine into the darkest places of your life at the hardest times. Some of you know that I've been following a little girl named Bethany. I had the privilege of, of meeting Bethany for the first time face-to-face in December. I was speaking in North Carolina at a conference, and this beautiful 11-year-old girl filled with life, but sadly filled with cancer, was at that conference. And I knew what she didn't know. I knew that the next day she was going to go receive some treatments and how difficult they would be. But it's been amazing to me as I've read Bethany's story and you go on Facebook, battle with Bethany and see the beauty of this 11-year-old girl. It's just the hope that reigns because Jesus reigns. I want to read you a couple of excerpts uh, out of uh, the parents, what they wrote about Bethany. Listen to this. This is right from her Facebook page. Today was the day. Today was the day we feared the most. The one we hoped would never come. Today was the day that Kelly, the mom, and I would have to tell our precious, sweet, funny, big-hearted, full of faith in God, 11-year-old daughter, that her time with us may be coming to an end. And that her journey to her true home, our true home, heaven, 
may be soon coming. Since we received the results of scans, we had two focuses. With heaven-mindedness, give the news to our older daughters and help them deal with the information with the help of some close support. And pray, study the Bible, talk with family and friends about what uh, would be the God-honoring, fear-removing, hope-giving way to give this news to Bethany. We were looking for the right timing, the right amount of sunshine, the right mood, comfort level for Bethany. After the struggles of searching for these answers, God had provided what we were looking for. We knew we wanted the focus to be on heaven. We knew we had to let Bethany know that there was nothing she had done wrong. That, they, that we had pursued every possible treatment and that she did everything she could possibly do and more. We knew we needed to dispel the fear of death because we, knew, we know God will take his child to her home, taking away the sting of death. Only one item remained. How do we begin this conversation? And the blog goes on to say that they returned to this devotional and they read this devotional together. We read this devotional to Bethany, told her that despite us doing everything we possibly could, the cancer was winning. And we talked about heaven and how wonderful it would be We told the story about how death would be for a child of God and that he has taken out the sting, 1 Corinthians 15, 55. We cried over missing each other while we would be apart, but only for a short time. We sat in silence for a bit, holding and being close to each other. Then we listened to a couple songs that would be meaningful to us. Then Kelly and I noticed a peace come over her that we had not seen since the beginning. And we felt she was okay with whatever the Lord has for her. She seemed relieved. She doesn't have to fight anymore. She wanted to fight for us. She wanted to eat when she didn't feel like it. For us. She wanted to walk when she felt she couldn't. For us. She wanted to do physical therapy even though it was painful for us. Now she didn't have to anymore. And she's relieved and at peace. After we talked, she had a peaceful sleep as we've seen in weeks, if not months. She asked for one of our home grilled cheeseburgers. She asked us to take her to the family room and watch movies with her sisters. And she finally wanted and did have friends come and visit. She's been joking and talking with us, even though she's weak. She's eating even more tonight. We could not have asked for a better reception to the news. Our hope over the remaining time that we have left is to continue as a family, to talk about the joys of heaven, what we will do when we meet there again, and remember and laugh at the times we had together. Don't get me wrong. Our God, our Lord, our Savior, our Father in heaven is able to completely heal Bethany at the time of his choice, regardless of her condition, and he may choose to do so. Either way, he has already shown his glory, honor, and love for us. And we are at peace with whatever he will do. He is trustworthy, wishing God's blessing on each and every one of you. And with much love and appreciation, Steve and Kelly. You see, hope reigns when death dies. Hope reigns even for a little 11-year-old girl battling cancer. The one thing they wanted to make sure that she knew was, listen, the sting of death is gone. That Jesus really has opened up heaven. That now as we die, we are face to face with him. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57 says it this way. Death has been swallowed up in the victory. 
Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What amazing victory that we have. Let me read you the last blog uh, from, from Bethany. Bethany Renee Cobb, child of the one true king and on loan to us from our savior is now with her father in heaven who came to take her home at 3.15 p.m. Tuesday, April 8th, 2014. She went peacefully in the arms of Jesus with many loved ones around her. While we are in much pain over the fact that we will miss our sweet girl, we are also at perfect peace knowing that she is with the one who loves her like no other, experiencing joy like we will not know fully until we too arrive at our eternal home as children of God. How would, you, how would we be able to cope without the promises given in the scripture for those who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior? They write, John 14, 1 through 3 says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus says. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Bethany accepted the Lord as her personal Savior in the summer of 2011. Therein lies the peace that passes understanding and the reason we know with complete confidence that she is at home with our Father in heaven. As always, continue to pray for us as we cope with missing Bethany. But know that our God is greatly to be praised and continues to be with us even today. We feel his presence We pray for you as well, all as well. We know that many of you have become attached to Bethany and hurt as well. Most of all, we pray that each of you know Jesus as your personal Savior and will join with us and Bethany one day in heaven to celebrate with her. There's good news. Jesus is alive. There's good news. Hope reigns when death dies. There's good news. Bethany lives because... Jesus lives. You see, in Jesus, in Jesus, hope forever reigns. There's an unmanned sub called the Bluefin 21 uh, that has already searched the Indian Ocean. It's already gone 51 square miles at depths exceeding 15,000 feet. Wrap your mind around that. In search of a black box. And search that in that black box, they will have hope to know what happened to the plane. In that black box, they will have hope that they will know the story. What happened? Was it pilot error? Was it mechanical? Was it terrorism? What will that black box reveal about the story? Whatever really happened to Flight 370? You see that it's in Jesus, not in a black box, but in Jesus by God's grace and faith in him that we find our relationship with God. And we also find hope that God's story makes sense. The Bible makes no sense without Jesus. The Bible and all of its promises make no sense without a fact that a son was going to come and live a life that you and I failed to live and die that death. But in Jesus, this story makes sense. But in Jesus, so does yours. And so does mine. 
The only way for our stories to make sense, the only way for our stories to have forgiveness, the only way for our stories to have life, the only way for our stories to have mercy, the only way for our stories to have meaning, the only way for our stories to have purpose is if our stories are anchored by God's grace in Christ Jesus. Because in him, we have hope. And in him, we have victory. What are you hoping for? Is your hope in something for something? For your future to change? For your circumstances to change? For your life to get better? What are you hoping for? You see, this Easter, what God is saying is, it's not what you hope for. It's who you hope in. As we sang, my my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood that was shed for a sinner like me in righteousness. Hope in Jesus. That's what he says at the end of Luke 24, 44 through 47. He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalm must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it was written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name, in Jesus. You know, most nights I go to bed hoping I'll be better. Most nights I, I, I go to bed and think, man, I just hope tomorrow's better. And most days end and I return back to my, my room and I realize <clears throat> not much better. Said the wrong things, thought the wrong things, messed up again, acted like a slave and not a son, acted sometimes like I did. Man, I just hope, why can't I, why can't I get better? Do you ever have that hope? I mean, just wishing that you could get better. You see, the Easter message isn't a hope that you and I are going to get better. The Easter message is the hope that Jesus is enough. The Easter message is the hope that Jesus is enough, that he really is enough, that because of his life, because of his death, we're beloved in the Father's sight. We're accepted, we're free, we're alive. Because he lives, we really do live. And boy, is there freedom of that. My hope and your hope can't be that we're going to be a little bit nicer, more religious, more holy. Our hope should be in Jesus. That in his righteousness, we're declared righteous. In his sacrifice, we are made clean. In his, we have a living hope. We've been made alive. In Christ Jesus, we've been brought in. We, by nature, children of wrath, have now become children of the king. We're his, we're loved. And in Christ Jesus, in that hope, listen, hope will forever reign. Was it hard hearing about Bethany? Can I tell you, when I, when I read those things, I'm like, I can't do that. I want you to know, your pastor reads that and says, oh my goodness, that's faith I don't have. But God hasn't called me to that situation. But I know this, my hope in Christ will meet me and meet you wherever we are. And wherever the darkness is and whatever has, listen, I don't know if what you hope for will come true in this life. I don't know if if what you're longing for will be fixed before you see Jesus face to face. And I'm telling you, he's not promising he's going to do it. 
But what he does promise is this. In Christ Jesus, everything that is broken eventually will be made right. Everything that was wrong will eventually come undone and be made glorious and true in Christ Jesus. Either now or when we see him face to face. If you have a hope in Christ Jesus, all that you long for in him will come true in his timing in Christ Jesus. Hope in him. It's a living, reigning hope. How about this tragedy in North Korea, or South Korea, another tragedy with uh, this ferry? I mean, mostly students, um, hundreds of them, up to like 500 students, capsize. And how about that captain? Oh, man, in a country like that, the captain, first of all, gives terrible orders. Stay where you are. Locks them basically in a tomb and then looks for him out for himself. Kind of abandoned ship. What kind of captain is that? I have good news. Scripture calls Jesus our captain. And he is the good shepherd. And he has come for the lost sheep. And he comes for the lost sheep and he, he doesn't look out for his own life. He lays his life down. He wants to make it clear. No one takes his life. I lay my life down. I have the authority to do it. I have the authority to pick it back up again. And I'm going to lay my life down for who? For you and me, for the lost sheep. He dies so that we can live. Our captain didn't abandon ship. He didn't abandon the cross. He endured the wrath and the shame so that we can have the joy and the mercy. Our captain died so we can live. He's the good shepherd. And because he lives, hope forever reigns. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. What is yours based on? Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for the depths of your love that you would send sinners like us, your son on a rescue mission. And Jesus, we thank you that you didn't abandon ship and you didn't look to see how wayward the sheep were and say, you know what, forget this. But you loved us to the very end. That Jesus, you would love us and serve us and the Father and humble yourself to the point of death and death on the cross. And amazingly, it's through that death that hope is born Because the death didn't contain you, Jesus. And Jesus, through your resurrection, you proclaim victory. You proclaim victory over our sins. You proclaim victory over death. And now that we know that hope reigns in you, in you, you're so much better than the black box. You are the one who will make our stories make sense. You are the one that will give us hope in season and out of season. Father, I pray for anyone who's hoping to be maybe a little bit better in and of themselves or hoping on a star or hoping that things will turn around. That God, that you this morning would give them grace and mercy to realize the only way that we can have hope, hope that defeats even death, is by placing our hope in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we thank you for that hope that was in Bethany We thank you for that hope that was in her parents. And we thank you for that hope that reigns in us. That no matter how dark it gets, the light of Christ still shines. May we live in that reality. We ask your blessing on these tithes and offerings. 
and remind us of the amazing sacrifice you've done for us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.